Welcome to the Third Turn podcast and our ongoing conversation for long-term executive leaders. Your hosts are Kristen Evenson, a consultant and coach trained in the neuroscience of change, and Mark L. Vincent, founder of Design Group International and the Society for Process Consulting. You're listening to the 20th episode of the Third Turn Podcast, and hitting the number 20 feels like something to celebrate. And Kristen Evenson, you're here with me. You're my compadre on this podcast. And not long from now, we're going to be doing a first year kind of summary and reprise and different aspects that we've really enjoyed. So we have a chance to be thinking about that even now. So as you think about some of what we've been able to do across uh, what is almost a year already, is there a favorite moment that's already top of mind for you? Well, Mark, my I would have to say my favorite moment was first be serving as a guest on podcast three, I think it was, and then moving to fill in and co-host. So it's very personal, kind of my, my favorite experiences, but separate from that, I just have so enjoyed, it'd be hard for me to pick because I've so enjoyed talking to the variety of leaders, kind of getting behind the curtain of their own leadership journey. And so I'll have to, I'll have to spend some time thinking about what my favorite is. <laughs> well, I, I don't think of specific moments right now either, because what I'm so pleased about is that we found a way to describe and create an outlet for this very underserved um, business development and executive leadership development space, which is what happens when you succeed and how do you make it possible for others to continue that success? And we're not just talking a monetary success here. We're talking about the ability for the world to flourish because we were here, because we contributed and created rather than took and exploited. And so our grandchildren's grandchildren can have some hope as they uh, face into the world. So that just getting this into existence has been a real highlight. And I'm so privileged to share this with you. Now, today, we're going to talk about women who are leading through and beyond all three of these turns in executive leadership. And I'd like to set just a little bit of perspective before we invite our guest in and really get underway. Did a little bit of research and you and Don Yoder-Graber, who's our guest, invited me to do a little bit extra to pull in what's happening right now, not just what's been happening across the last 10 years. And so I've got four items here that I would like to set side by side by side before we get into this conversation. The first is that the Biz Women website projects that the number of women CEOs in Fortune 500 companies will hit just about, not quite, but just about 9% at the end of 2021. Now that's not a really encouraging number, but it is an increased number. It's up from 6% at the end of 2019, which isn't that long ago. So we've got an upward trend Mm -hmm. there. Secondly, the National Association of Women Business Owners tells us that women-owned firms now are 39% of all privately held firms. That is also a growing number. Thirdly, I found this one very interesting. Business News Daily reports that in 2018 and 2019, 42% of all new businesses were opened by women, and that's about 1,800 a day. 
Uh, This is up from a previous uh, number in 2014 when American Express reported that it was 1,200 a day. So we have an increase in about six years here of uh, about 400 businesses a day in addition, uh, being opened by women. But here's the the stuff that's come out of the pandemic year. Women business owners have found a harder hit Mm -hmm. from the pandemic than male-owned businesses. About 64% of women-owned businesses say that their revenue has decreased because of COVID, uh, and it continues. Uh, There's an estimate that comes from the National Bureau of Economic Research that about 25% of women-owned businesses closed completely between February and April last year. Now, just get that. Between February and April, early on, they closed. Mm -hmm. 25% closed. Why is that? Well, everybody's kind of going with some conjecture, but Inc. Magazine's probably done the most significant study. And they theorize that it's because of where those business segments are that women tend to own businesses. They are services, they're human-centered, and they are somewhat ancillary rather than being straight up production or agriculture as an example. And then when you look at all the other complications of childcare, when people are um, having to educate their children at home now because the schools are closed and any number of other factors that affects women harder, it has been pretty decimating among women-owned businesses. So what happens in these next couple of years will matter. And that really sets the stage for our conversation today. And I'll just say it one more time. We're going to talk about leading as a woman into and beyond the three turns of executive leadership. Our guest today is Don Yoder Graber. And Don is a senior consultant with Design Group International. Mark, I met her through you and your, your mutual connection there. And Dawn launched her practice as a process consultant and leadership coach after a career in educational leadership. She does a lot of work with educational executives and women leaders in particular, but her guidance ranges far more broadly. And we'll get to hear about that today. As I got a little more acquainted with Dawn's background, I pulled this endorsement from an executive at a fencing company that Dawn worked with. He said, Don Graber broke down barriers, engaged the group with activities, and helped our leaders feel a sense of safety to promote meaningful conversation. That's obviously great kudos to you, Don. And I just found it kind of entertaining that you broke down barriers at a fencing company and they they appreciated it. Um, Thank you. So Don, we look forward to just such a meaningful conversation with you today and your perspective on leadership in general, and especially on women in this unique and challenging time we're in. So could you just start by giving us a little background on your own leadership journey, turn one, kind of learning how to lead, turn two, leading others, and, and maybe then leading into turn three, which you know finds you where you are now. Sure, thank you, Kristen and Mark, for the invitation to be here. I've really looked forward to it. I think ever since I was a little child, I just felt this mantle of, of responsibility that others were counting on me to be able to, to help organize them, to be able to help them have voice to move forward. I'm, I'm sure I got it wrong, but even as a child, just that sense of, I have some influence that can be used for good and how do I show up to help? Mm-hmm. And one thing that comes to mind is, you know, even as a teenager at, at my grandpa's funeral, 10 cousins sitting in a pew, you know, and, and, and automatically I just kind of got the elbows that, I was supposed to go up and be the spokesperson for the cousins. Mm. Um, That sort of thing of just being a representative in terms of trying to motivate, help and and empower. And I think about learning so much with turn one, the sense of 
learning. And, and that's just a quest that's a natural part of me. I remember in fourth grade, a, an inchworm contest, you know, and, and I won the, the contest where I had the most bodies on my inchworm because I had read the most books and got my picture <laughs> in the newspaper. And that was so exciting. And my mom just really instilled that love of learning by taking me to the library all the time. So I was just reading and a quest to want to do that. And she was, you know, this example who was always reading in the morning, uh, could never get up before she was up reading her Bible and drinking a cup of coffee, just desiring to learn. I remember one time for various reasons, I wanted to take a year off from work and I thought I'd take the seminary class. And it was just a regular three hour grad class at a seminary. And Somehow it was online and it had flexibility and I just milked it for all it was worth. I, I literally went to Barnes and Noble like every day, Monday to Friday and spent three hours on that class from September to May, just because I could and because I wanted to learn. So I, I think in terms of just all the, the opportunity to learn in turn one, but it was really important. And I think this is something we got to think about, you know, as young leaders, as persons starting out, how does all that learning, how does that feeling of learning what it means to be a leader, how does it fit in with your family, your relationships? You know, I was married, I wanted to have children, my husband and I had four, and it, it took a lot of intentionality to just stop and say, okay, sure, I could read a book all night, but what do I want to do with the kids? Or when should my husband and I prioritize getting away instead of this continual learning or feeling responsibility? So I think that's a continual rub, but especially as young leaders growing out, I think there needs to be a lot of conversation with, with family members to know what, you know, to help meet your goals. And in turn two, this opportunity to lead, I, I've had lots of different experiences. My husband and I were able to um, have some international volunteer work. I was in nursing. That was my undergrad degree. Did a lot of volunteer ministry work, some intentional at-home parenting and then I landed in early childhood to 12th grade private Christian education and thought I was just helping out for maybe a year, maybe, you know, three years tops. And at that point, I thought, oh, I'm going to go off and, and lead by learning more through a seminary degree. The next thing I knew, I was at this, this school for 18 years. <laughs> so my, my one to three year plan didn't work there. And I, I found myself just continually being shoulder tapped to ask to have a wider sense of influence. Like how did leadership pan out then by just having broader responsibilities and impacting more people. And so I found myself there in charge of the academic programming, the staff development of 40 some teachers and, and really enjoyed that. And then one last aspect that comes to mind of just leading, learning how to lead was an opportunity to be the first female board member of a four state conference of the denomination I'm a part of. And as the first woman moderator, it was also such an opportunity to learn how to lead in a racial, ethnic, cultural sort of melange as there were four different languages spoken in this conference. And our board represented the people that made up our conference. So trying just to help with voice in across all those different languages and cultures was, was something that was impactful to me as a leader. 
I think wow. of that as turn one, turn two, maybe for myself. Yeah. I admire Don the way you operated with your whole life, like leading and serving in work, in family, in different places and doing it with, it sounds like kind of a delicate balance between mm-hmm. all. And I know that your own experience in that respect has given you a unique lens into the challenges and opportunities women leaders face today. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you see transpiring sure. around us for them? Sure. Well, there definitely are opportunities. And I appreciate so much, Mark, the information you shared here at the beginning of our time together. But I think in terms of leadership is learning the, the importance of relationship-centered abilities. And many women come with that a little bit intuitively or perhaps more naturally. And, you know, it's not considered frou-frou anymore to be able to start a meeting with, you know, a check-in or companies even know, you know, they should pay for, for team building days or they should even pay for fun time because relationships are so key for environments of trust to be built. So the best ideas can be birthed for the benefit of the organization, right? And so an opportunity for women is that many women come by that a little naturally, the relationship building. And it's being noticed that women can lead with that sort of strength. And similarly, women tend to team a little bit more easier than at times men do just because men have been a little gendered into thinking that you have to show up just this tough, decisive, strong sort of uh, individual as a leader. And so then there's a little bit more pressure on this gendered leader prototype to just be self-reliant. You know, I did it myself. I don't need you. I'm going to look like I can do it all. And women have tended to just kind of see the importance of teaming more. And again, leadership is noticing, you know, the old, the old uh, adage of, you know, what is an elephant? Is it the tail? Is it the leg? Is it the trunk? You know, it depends where you're looking. I mean, leadership understands, organizations understand that when we all bring many people together, diverse views, different lenses, we're going to end up with the best ideas. And so an opportunity is women tend to tend to team well. And then a last opportunity that comes to mind is that men are learning more about being an ally to women in leadership. And senior women, that that percentage that Mark mentioned that might be in CEO CEO roles, they can be an ally to other women too. But the wide majority of senior leadership roles are still filled by men. And It isn't a sense of just like, oh, woman, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. You know, equity doesn't work like that. I mean, women have worked long and hard for a long time and still haven't had the equitable advancements. And so we need male and female sponsors who can help create those equitable networks so women's gifts can be sought and chosen. And this is happening more. This is an opportunity. Men are getting it more that they can help um, create those networks for women who could launch and be able to take some different roles in leadership. So I think of those opportunities, relationship building, team building, men understanding the role of allyship more if they happen to be the ones in, in more of the CEO suites. But there's definitely a lot of challenges that remain. Mm-hmm. And as Mark celebrated, even some of the numbers going up in some of the senior leadership positions, I mean, we have to be mindful of gender 
biases and gender discrimination is still really a thing. I mean, we're celebrating something of under 10%, you know, but saying, well, it's on the right trajectory and such, you know. And as I mentioned, leadership itself has just been prototyped to be what we say is more of a male voice or a male tendency. Now, this tightrope is called the double bind. You know, we've, we've heard that probably before, right? I mean, we can be strong and tough and decisive, but then experience shows that women aren't liked then because it is just this kind of built-in ex- expectation that women are kind and nurturing and supportive, which many of us are. But if we're kind and supportive and nurturing, then all of a sudden we're not seen as a leader or a senior leader type material. So it's this challenge of how do we walk this tightrope and, and a new voice is rising. We just need to keep talking about it to be able to free each other, to be able to be who we are, men included, so we can show up for the best for our organizations and the places we love about. So those are, those are challenges. Yeah. And, and then as Mark mentioned, the pandemic, that's just a big one. You know, I mean, you can read different numbers, but you know, if 2.5 million women have left the workforce and in this last year, I mean, the, the really telling thing to me there is just when you read the studies of how many more hours a day women have worked in the pandemic, as opposed to their partners, I think it just goes back to the need to have those conversations for persons who have a partner in the home, there might be responsibilities, you know, with children, there might be responsibilities with grandma and grandpa and, you know, trying to make sure they don't get COVID. But I mean, women are working two to three hours more a day in the home throughout the pandemic. And I think that's a challenge that needs to be talked about within partners who often speak in equitable type talk. But when it comes down to it, who's doing dishes and who's sitting on the couch, you know, I mean, it, it has its consequences and that's a challenge. Don, we're going to take a moment here now and just ask you about sort of this turn three moment in your life when you're devoting yourself more to resourcing leaders and particularly women who are leading. I think people who are listening to you respond to the questions that Kristen's asked already have a sense that others of us who know you uh, would say that you're this mix, this wonderful mix of steel and graciousness. And it's not just a Southern charm because you were raised in Michigan and Mm -hmm. now reside in Florida. There's something that developed that in you. And it's now helping you as you resource others in a turn three moment of your life. So would you be willing to talk about that for a bit? Sure. Thanks, Mark. I love those words you've chosen for me, steel and graciousness. I'm going to have to consider that more. Perhaps that's describing even the double bind, the sense Mm -hmm. of, you know, wanting to be both in order to help other people bloom. I found myself here just starting my third year with Design Group International, and I found this growing heart for women leaders within organizations. And with my coaching hat or with a process consulting hat, I interact with women and men, but I've gotten so excited about just encouraging women leaders to be able to navigate their voice, to be able to consider how their values line up with their priorities, to keep in check that empathetic heart that can too often put them at the back of the line. And with that consulting hat on, it's just been 
really fun to be able to just help them unpack and evaluate where they or their institution might be blocked and to be able to consider what processes might help them reach their goals. I thought of just two recent virtual coffees I had that to me seem like a turn three example where at my stage in life, I can encourage and I can try to help some younger women in leadership or in budding leadership be able to just bloom or blossom with perhaps a few less obstacles than I might've encountered. And one was just yesterday, a young woman, she was 28, she'd reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, would you just be willing to meet with me and tell me your story of how you ended up in the role you're in now and what advice you would have for me? And I didn't know her at all. And you know how LinkedIn, you get all these things all the time of people trying to sell you services, right? So first glance, I just you know almost assumed it was that. And I was glad I read it a little deeper because no, it really was just a young leader asking for help. So we just met for that sort of virtual coffee and here she's an industrial organizational psychology finishing that grad degree and just saying, how can I do what you're doing? And, and just to be able to sit and encourage her was really life-giving to me. And that feels turn three-ish. And I had a similar experience the week before on an American Association for University Women Zoom meeting. And I suddenly saw this young woman in the Zoom meeting. And you know everybody's basically 70 and above. So she stood out to me. So I reached out to her in the chat box and just said, wow, I'm so glad you're here. Would you be willing to meet and just tell me your story? You know, why are you here today? And she said, sure, yes. So we had one of these, you know, Zoom coffees and here she was just finishing um, candidating for a senior manager position in the boating industry, in a marine industry, full of sexism, she would say, and asking for how do I do it? How do I show up strong and be myself even in this culture? So that to me all feels like turn three opportunities. Work-wise, I organized a cohort called WOLTI, Women Leaders um, Transforming Influence, just saying we each have influence, we each have power, but how do we unleash it in the world in kind of the stream of some gender bias that we might have been affected by and basic leadership strategies too, and to help each other in the cohort, they just share each other's stories. Those feel like turn three items and just being a grandma and a mom of adult children, it's a big part of turn three living for me too, a, a daily aspect with my grandchildren. John, I love those stories and examples of serving as a, an inspiration, as a mentor to others, whether in your work or in your family. It makes me wonder as growing up and in your leadership turns, were there mentors or heroes that you really looked to that inspired you? I thought about this question, such a good question. I realized that I did not have professional women as models before me as a young child. You know, it just perhaps wasn't the time or it wasn't the circle my parents were a part of. I did notice my mom was owning a business, a clothing store, and I don't think I clued in enough to understand like how different that was compared to her friends who were, you know, active community members and volunteer members, but they weren't working outside of the home. And so I can go back now and try to learn from my mother there. But the model of my mother's learning, as I mentioned, you know, reading her Bible early in the morning, going to the library, that for sure has been 
most impactful to me. And then I think about that first principal that took a chance on me. She was a, a woman principal, took a chance on me to just kind of fill in and help in that middle school need at that private school. And she just let me fly. I mean, when I think now the things that I proposed and did, and I can just remember her kind of smiling and saying, oh, okay, well, I hope that works. You know, like, you know, just kind of, she trusted me. We built this whole, you know, to some sort of scale, Ark of the Covenant that, that was in a classroom for six weeks, you know, throughout the desk, took 400 some kids to migrant camps overnight, you know, eating Hispanic food and Haitian food and interacting in the community. And these were like 12 and 13 year olds. And she trusted me to try. And I really, with gratitude, appreciate her trust in me. And then lastly, I think of a neighbor woman who was, whose children were in Little League with our oldest sons. And I knew she was the second highest in nursing sort of command at a large public hospital here in my town. And yet she had, four, she had five children. She was working on her doctorate and she was like at, at all her kids' baseball games and half their practices. And I just, I just couldn't get it. Like, mm -hmm. how can you do all this? So I finally asked her one day, like, you know, just like, how can you do all these things? I don't understand. And she said, I need a terminal degree in my position. Yes, I enjoy learning, but I do not have to get an A. Nobody cares what grade I get. I want to be with my family. I know what the most important things are to me. And I know to ask for help. And so she asked for help. And she was blessed enough to have two sets of parents in town. And one set cooked one day a week and froze the food. One set did laundry one day a week. And then she just didn't stress about the other things. The kids could paint their rooms whatever color they wanted. Um, she didn't worry about the mess. She knew the most important things and yet she could share her influence is in this role in the hospital. And uh, with nursing as my background, I just remember being very inspired by her. So I think of my mom, I think of this principal and I think of this neighbor in her nursing role with her five kids. We will be right back for more of our conversation with Don Yoder Graber after this break. A process consultant is not a contractor or mere subject matter expert. A process consultant knows how to design process and they do it with the CEOs and boards they serve as they tackle adaptive moves and create an alignment among all of the organizational players who will make it happen. So if you want to know more about process consulting and might want to add it to your skill set, visit societyforprocessconsulting.com and sign up for a course. The Society for Process Consulting is the place that sets the standards for process consulting. We're speaking with Don Yoder Graber about living through and beyond three turns of executive leadership and particularly as a woman leader. And Don, this has been a great conversation. And now we have a chance to talk about obstacles that are in front of women leaders and how they might overcome them. So we'd like to have you speak to that if you would. Thank you, Mark. For myself, mindset is the first thing. Like 
when I go to bed at night and to set my intentions first thing in the morning before my feet hit the ground, just as an important frame for being able to show up big and strong in the way I want to each day, regardless of what obstacles might be there. I'm said to be a mix of my grandpa Chet and my grandma Stuart, <laughs> like two different sides. And I see people as a gift and a resource and people that deserve to be respected and valued and cheered. I love the International Coach Federation sort of mantra that we are creative, resourceful and whole. I believe God made us good. I just plumb enjoy people and I'm, I'm curious to hear their stories. So just that set of a mindset, I think helps each day. The glass is definitely more than half full for me as opposed to half empty. And then I think of the role of education and we've talked about, you know, gender bias yet remaining in the workplace. For me personally, that was just super important to learn, like just to understand the stream that we're very used to. I mean, it's just kind of normal, but to learn about how that had affected me and if there were moments of sexism that I had experienced and what had it done to my innate leadership gifts and and now what do I do about recapturing some of those gifts to be able to, to help others to the fullest degree? So just that sense of education, of learning more about what is the world like in leadership and who am I as a woman and how have I been affected? And then lastly, I would say with obstacles, for me personally, just being a recipient of professional coaching has been life-giving. Because it's one thing to learn about, you know, who am I to get more in touch with who have I been created to be? How do I want to show up in the world? But how do I get there? And, and for me, professional coaching has, has helped with that to be able to just keep me, my feet to the fire with goals and, and with accountability to be able to help me hear when I fall back into some self-limiting behaviors that I don't really want to be, and maybe I'm not noticing, but that's been a really great fuel to behind my desire to be able to use whatever transforming influence I've had to be able to help each other. So mindset, education, and coaching come to mind in terms of working against obstacles. John, you're a great example of a commitment to learning and leading well. Uh, which are core values here at the Third Turn Podcast. Uh, and we also talk about transitioning well. And as you work with women leaders, especially, what are you noticing or what would you recommend for women leaders um, in transition mode? Mm -hmm. And I am currently working with a number of women of which four happen to just be transitioning out of long-term senior leadership roles. So that has been something I've been queuing in about trying to understand what their needs are. And I see that they are really spending a lot of time and effort on trying to leave well, on trying to make sure um, that they've been enough. And I think the undergirding question there that needs encouragement is, yes, you've been beyond enough. Because the tendency for many of us women is going to be to overwork, to overprepare. So in terms of leaving, I see these women worrying about, you know, everything from have they organized their files sufficiently enough that the next person can find them to, you know, 
Is the leadership team equipped enough? Could I have done more? Do I have enough networking? Are the donors set up enough with relationships? And I think the reality is, yes, you've done more than enough, more than enough. But a tendency is always going to be, have I done enough? And then secondly, just that sense of, wow, who am I going to be? Like, I'm excited about this transition, but who am I going to be? And I think that's also something that that men face, you know, just an identity when we become so enmeshed with work, who are we when we leave work? So the William Bridges sort of managing transition work, that time between the net has become a really great visual that I think is helpful to the women leaders that I've been working with transitioning, just knowing it's okay to be between the net. And I know for myself personally, leaving education and coming into this process consulting coaching role, that net period was much longer than I would have understood it needed to be. And so I'm thankful for a body of work that tells us it's okay to be between the net for a while too. Now, well, Don, you just touched on one of the major themes that we've been working with in Maestro Level Leaders, which is as one really begins to turn towards seeing a longer term future that might not involve them. And they're starting to build up other leaders much more intentionally than ever before and shifting to whatever will emerge kind of out of the mist that they're peering into, that there is a grief period here. There is an important uh, set of setting things down and then picking things up again. And if they don't process that well, it will become an ego battle between them and the board, them and any successor or successors and future value. In fact, we should say the ongoing value of the organization goes into a rather steep decline early just because we haven't worked through or that leader hasn't worked through what it means to figure out what comes next for them and to be healthy and whole as they do that. I'm really glad that you made that point. Um, One of the great things that we've been able to do with the Third Turn podcast is to uh, now we have a blog and blog summaries and put a whole mess of resources out there. And given who you are as this lifelong learner and voracious uh, reader, you've given us a lot of resources that we'll be putting in the summary. I'm wondering if you could point to a couple of them that are the go-tos for you when you're saying, look, I've got to resource myself as I resource others. What streams are you drinking from the most? For sure, for sure. I love for just the understanding of the reality, the obstacles, the opportunities for women in the workplace to be able to dig into leanin.org. I mean, it's just a plethora of information. It, It publishes each year the Women at Work study, which has gone on for some years now um, from the United States. That seems very key, the leanin.org website. And I've also found the Harvard Business Review Women at Work podcast, just very insightful. And the New York Times puts out a newsletter in her words. And I love that. I mean, it, it, it's, it ranges from IT to finance, to parenting, to education. I mean, it just touches on everything. That's New York Times. And then just in terms of, of um, general leadership, but I think it's also something that, that really makes sense to women and, and to men too, is anything from Amy Edmondson, like the, her psychological safety work, I think is, is just really key. And recently I just came upon Vital Voices. Um, perhaps I'm slow to the game there, 
but it's a global nonprofit. And I'm really excited about their work. They're identifying around the world, women who are working on making a difference in life's greatest challenges. And they have this awesome new coffee table book out that someone might enjoy looking up, um, highlighting a hundred women around the world currently that are making a difference. I appreciate their work too. Gosh, I'm gonna check those out, Don. thank you. Um, as we wrap up, I hate to wrap up, but it's time. And as we do that, we always like to ask our three turning point questions. So I'm gonna kick this off. If you were to have had any other career than the one you have, uh, the journey you've had, where might that find you? What would you have chosen? I wished I would have known about process consulting and about executive leadership coaching when I was in my 20s or 30s, like those young women that I just had the Zoom coffees with. Like, Mark, I would have loved to have been right at the beginning with you and Lori and all this budding of what is Design Group International. I mean, what could be better than walking alongside a whole mess of different types of, of people and leaders and organizations and trying to help them bloom. I, I really think that would have been awesome. I'm thankful for whatever years I do have here. And, and even though I was only supposed to say one thing, it's a constant joke in my family about how many words mom has. And I often go back to James Michener, like how in the world could he be this famous author and talk about the color of the sun for 30 pages or something? You know, like I would have loved to have been or loved to still be someone who could get paid for how many words I can come up with. Well, you've used <laughs> melange and frou-frou and turn three-ish on this podcast. So you've been really, really I'm, well, even making up a word. I'm making I, up words. Yeah, okay. I think we'll, we'll go. That's great fun. Another question we like to ask, Don, is what's an executive leadership lesson that you wish you had learned earlier? Wow. And there are so many, Mark and Kristen. But what comes to mind is I wished I would have understood how important it is to, like my principal did to me, for all the teachers I worked over or the principals I worked over, I wished I would have let them just originate with more ideas and see it through to the end. I had a, an incorrect understanding of being a leader meant I had to have my hands in so many of those buckets and things had to be a little bit more my way than their way and they just needed to be the helpers. And I, I feel embarrassed about some of those sort of beliefs I thought were right at certain times in my past. And then I wished I would have been willing to make a little bit more good trouble, you know, like John Lewis <laughs> said, like when I was given freedom from maybe even a superior to like, hey, you take that and go with it. I don't know if it was gender bias. I don't know if it was a lack of confidence, but I often still, kept them roped in asking for their approval and feedback along the way. And I wished I just would have been a little more courageous. Good trouble. Add that Good to the trouble. list of great terms <laughs> from this podcast. Don, what is the current book you're reading and why did you choose it? Right. I try to always keep a, a women in leadership book going. So I'm actually just in the middle of Michelle King's The Fix. And she's the inclusion director from Netflix. And she has a great workout about women don't need to be fixed and become this gendered prototype of what effective leadership is. They need to be themselves. Men also need to be themselves. And we need to just keep working at the diversity belief of letting 
each individual show up as how they were created to be to lead and then we will prosper. Our organizations will be best. So I'm enjoying that book. And I just finished a book club book, The Butterfly's Daughter. And it was delightful. Monarch butterflies, trips to Mexico, a story of a Mexican family. So that was the butterfly's daughter. Well, Dawn, thank you. That has, you've done a great job of shining a light on women as leaders and ending us on a note of inclusivity and vision. With that, we wrap our 20th episode of the Third Turn podcast. We've been talking to Dawn Yoder-Graber. And Dawn, we're grateful for your contributions today. Thank you. It was much fun. And with that, we wrap our 20th episode of the Third Turn Podcast and our conversation with Don Yoder-Graber. We welcome your ideas for future episodes. You can reach us at www.thirdturnpodcast.com. If you are moving toward that third turn of executive leadership, we hope you will go to www.maestroleveleaders.com and start a conversation with us. Kristen Evenson has prepared a document of frequently asked questions that we will put in the blog summary for this episode, which again is episode 20. This podcast is a production of Design Group International, and Jennifer Miller from Strategically Connected is our producer. We are back in two weeks to drop a new episode. As always, we invite you to keep our grandchildren's grandchildren in mind as you serve and lead. Farewell. Thank you.